Hey, folks, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning into Front Row Knowles, and thanks to the Champions Club and Seminole Boosters for their longtime support of this podcast. By now, you've seen or heard about the Boosters One Tribe campaign, which is annual membership to Seminole Boosters that helps fund the most vital needs of the FSU athletics program, including scholarships, academic support, and athletic training. I'll put this as simply as I can. If you're listening to this podcast, you care about FSU athletics and should be a booster. Many of you already are. Thank you. And I encourage you, if you're able, to increase your support. If you're not a member, you can join for as little as 70 bucks a year. Just go to boosters.fsu.edu to learn more. And now sit back, keep your seat, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle. Well, you know the drill. Enjoy the show. Here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. And Keith, the basketball team keeps on keeping on. And I would tell you that leading up to half or perhaps right at half on Monday night, I wasn't necessarily convinced, but that second half has me feeling a lot better. And congratulations to Leonard Hamilton and company. Very much so. I I would tell you that the first three halves, uh, the entire game in game one, and obviously, as you're mentioning, the first half in game two, you know, I wasn't pleased, so to speak, uh, was very happy that they were continuing to have some progress. And in the case of uh, the second game, had a lead. And I went to the box score and I looked down and I said, how can this be? Uh, MJ hasn't scored. Scotty hasn't scored. Uh, Bosch has got foul problems. And yet they were up four, six, whatever it was at halftime. That second half, however, I think can be a springboard and obviously will have to be if they want to be successful against Michigan uh, as to how they have to play. But but we, we do uh, have a significant milestone because uh, I was texting with uh, one uh, Emerson, Eugene Deckerhoff, and that ball game uh, against Colorado was the 1,300th game that he has called as the voice of Florida State basketball. So now we want to get him to 1304 to finish up the uh, 2020-2021 season. It's amazing that Gene's got the record on all that. I can't even remember what I did last Saturday, let alone how many games I've called over the years. We, we don't even know how many front row knolls we've done. Yeah. Not only that, we can't even tell you what year we started. I mean, it would you and I would have to <laughs> huddle for like, it would take a good hour or two of looking at old email to answer that question. It would. Uh, let me, uh, so we'll talk more basketball, but for our listeners' sake here, we've got uh, – Plenty of attention to football coming up. Keyshawn Helton will join us next segment. We'll talk about his comeback from what was a horrific injury, uh, more serious maybe than than what was first realized. And, and then Bob Ferranti, our Osceola insider, will join us and we'll dive into what's going on in the football practice fields. Uh, so that is all straight ahead on, on Front Row Knowles. And I know you look forward to that conversation uh, with, with Keyshawn. So rather than do what I normally do, Keith, which is I offer my opinion and then ask for yours, I'm, I'm going to uh, – not do it in that order. I'm going to ask your thoughts on the officiating thus far, just from the Florida State games, not the tournament overall, because candidly, when it's not Florida State playing, I'm not paying as much attention. Um, um, marginal. The officiating has been marginal. Um, I don't know to what degree uh, that could be from a macro sense uh, attributable, and I'm probably making way too much of this, but remember there were five or six official related people 
that uh, had that uh, burp and miscue uh, when they got to Indianapolis and were sent home. Um, and I don't know if that either played a particular part or put things in the back of people's minds, uh, but it's been less than stellar. How about that? Is that politically correct? Yeah, that, not that you have a reason to be politically correct, but that's that's uh, I think that's accurate. So my take normally I I enjoy the officiating because what drives me crazy is the hand checks that aren't affecting the play at all that are called a foot from midcourt, you know, those kind of it's sort of like in football. If it's a toss sweep left and there's a marginal holding call on the receiver on the right side of the field, and it's not affecting the play. Do we really need to call that and stop the game and back it up? Or do you just go to the receiver and say, Hey, I'm just letting you know, if you run that play this way and you do the same thing, it's a flag. Right. So I'm, I'm more in favor. Uh, and, and during the regular season, we don't see that you see fouls that are 40 feet away that really didn't impact anything. And so I like that part of it. But what's happened in the two games here is it's gone the other way to the street fight level. Like I just entered the lane and I got punched in the bicep and elbowed in the ribs and hit on the chin and there wasn't a foul call. So there's got to be a medium in between. I would agree. Uh, I do think, however, uh, and this is personal bias on my part, you know, I think if Florida State's got to play a physical ball game that they can stand toe to toe with anybody. I mean, I'll, I don't want to get in front of Raekwon Gray. I don't want to get in front of Barnes. I don't want to go up against MJ. I don't want Ballship giving me a letter of lunch. I, I think they can play within that, but they just have to know what it is. Oh, you're right. And, and I mean, obviously, I mean, that Colorado team, they may, I don't know how they finished, but they may be the best free throw shooting team in the history of college basketball. So the fact that the officials weren't calling fouls the other night and they shot none in the first half, uh-huh. that's a win for Florida State. You're right. It's just, uh, I guess the bigger point, it's just the inconsistency from game to game. You never really know what you're going to get. That said, let's get off the officiating. Let's go to the the personnel. So MJ Walker, first of all, he took three charges uh, to his credit, played good defense. It was great defense. I mean, the thing we're overlooking, if we say the offense hasn't been great, is the defense has been unbelievable these first two games. So MJ, he's he's well enough to stand there and take a charge three times. And at the end of the game and the end of the UNC Greensboro game, he showed burst to the basket. So he looks healthy, but he won't pull the trigger from long range. So on the one hand, that's good. If the shot's not there, work the ball. On the other hand, don't we need the leading scorer on the team and the senior to at some point pull the trigger? Well, uh, the obvious answer is yes. You do not know what conversations, if any, uh, the staff has had with him about shot selection. And appropriately, they, they shouldn't and wouldn't uh, divulge that. But I go back to, and this is going to sound as a criticism, and I don't mean it as such, but I go back to what I've said about MJ since he, he arrived on campus. He's a streaky shooter, which means he's got to have confidence in what he's doing. And when you don't feel well, when you're not 100%, when you're, you're banged up, then that affects you mentally. And for three-point shooting, I've never been one, but based on what I've heard and people I've talked to, and, and, and by the way, one of the guys that impressed me most about this was Andy Enfield, who when he was an assistant at Florida State, who's now taken uh, USC into the Sweet 16 for the first time in forever. You know, he, he gave lessons to NBA players on how to shoot. And uh, he, he said, much like uh, rebounding is attitude, shooting is the ability to concentrate and have confidence. 
And so if that's lacking a little bit, maybe you don't want your leading scorer and your leading three-point shooter taking shots as much. Fine line. I don't know what the, the, the true answer is, but uh, I just throw that out for discussion. It's just been curious. I mean, we know Florida State's not as healthy and not playing at the same level as what they were midseason. So the other one is Scotty Barnes. And you can tell Scotty is dinged up and he had a sleeve on his leg. What was curious to me, though, Keith, is whatever that ailment is, it felt almost like it got fixed at halftime the other night, i.e., and, and I don't, you know, Scotty's, I don't know him personally, but he's personable. We hear stories about every time he shows up at a team meal, he hugs everybody on the team. He's affable. You can see he's emotional from the way he plays. But he didn't look 100% in the first half. And after halftime the other night, he, he looked closer to the Scotty that we've seen this year, at least especially when they went to zone and he started being able to fire those passes around. Well, we've got to remember that uh, his concentration all year long has been on learning how to play point guard because he didn't play it much of any at high school. So that's been the drills he's been under. That's been the instruction he's been under. That's been the, the, the tent that he's been operating in. So when you go to zone, just by default, you've got to be able to pass the ball. So that might be the answer to that. But I go back again to another kind of macro thing, and, and our listeners will know that, that I'm uh, older and, and, you know, seen it for a long time. But you, you run into a wall as a freshman. There'll be some time as a freshman when you just hit that wall because you're not used to playing, although Florida State hadn't played that many games per se as they normally would. The, the, the high school season is not as long as the collegiate season. So at some point towards the latter part of the regular season or into the playoffs, freshmen hit a wall because they're just not used to playing for that long at that, that same intensity. And that might be part of, part of the um, explanation as well. The positive is whatever happened at halftime, whether it was a conversation between players or a conversation coach to player or Scotty just looking in the mirror and evaluating himself, you are correct that he came out and showed what he could do. Whatever the reason, that's encouraging. Yeah, the reason might be what happened at the end of the first half when Florida State turned what could have been an eight-point lead into just a four-point lead with, with the, the end-of-half situation. You know, so we focused on Scotty and MJ, and I uh, haven't even tipped our cap really to Anthony Polite because that was one heck of a performance from Anthony from start to finish and not just shooting and hitting shots. I mean, he – we, 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 I feel like he's been the guy that we've always said he's a really good defender, which discounts everything else he does. And uh, I, I remember when he was, you know, and this is not uncommon, Keith, because we've how many guys have come through that you see them early in their careers and think they're never going to help the program. And then two and three year, years later, lo and behold, well, Polite had grown up, you know, his dad, Michael, played at FSU, but he grew up, I, I think, in Switzerland or in Europe. And he was playing European ball. And so he wasn't as physical as what the American college game is. And it took him a while to acclimate to that. Well, I would say he's acclimated now. And a couple of years in, he's like Fiondu or Al Thornton or any other guy that you would have considered a project when they arrived at FSU that now is much more polished. Not only that, and, and I agree with everything that you've said, but not only that, uh, you've got other players uh, and, and Fiondo and Al are good examples that you don't appreciate their upside. Um, he played played very well, but Tommy, he can play better. I mean, he he has a, a ceiling. Uh, he reminds me a whole bunch of Trent Forrest. Now, Trent came out of high school as a three thousand point scorer, 
I mean, that's a lot at the high school level. And they ask him to be a point guard, much like they're doing with Scotty Barnes, although they're not going to have Scotty for four years to, to make that happen. But Trent dedicated himself to becoming a point guard. So after his junior year, we're going, okay, he's pretty good, but can he get any better? Well, he took a significant leap between his junior and senior year because his upside was so great. Polites is the same way. And I tell you, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to spend just a little bit of time with his dad, Michael, and there's not a more proud father. And unlike many other fathers who have kids playing the sport that they played, I've been told Michael is not in the coach's ears about what he thinks that they ought to do with Anthony. They have let Leonard, he has let Leonard and his staff coach up Anthony while Michael has watched and been an encourager. And so I applaud him for that because many, many parents will be much too hands-on in that situation. No question. And it was an unbelievable performance the other night. So uh, Michigan, five o'clock Sunday, Keith, we'll get back to this uh, again. If you're just tuning in. We'll go to football next segment with uh, Keyshawn Helton and then Bob Ferrante after that, our Osceola insider, primarily a football conversation. Florida State will be back in Bankers Life Fieldhouse on Sunday for that game. So uh, which way are you going on this one, Keith? Because on the one hand, Michigan has not played in that arena yet and Florida State has. On the other hand, it's the arena where Florida State went 0 for 9 from behind the arc. <laughs> well, twofold. Number one, uh, it, it, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm absolutely amaze our listeners. I'm going to go Leonard Hamilton. It's 94 feet. It's 10 feet. It's 15 feet. It's the Sweet 16. You could play this outdoors on an ice rink. I don't care. It's win or go home. I like Florida State's chances, but I acknowledge that this will be by far their toughest, their toughest opponent. If they get past Michigan, then the, 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 the Jones train is going to be choo-chooing down the track. Because I think if they get past Michigan, they will win it all. Ooh, ooh. So you've got not just win and go to the Final Four. If they beat Michigan, they're winning it all. I think Michigan is a matchup, is the most difficult team. I'm not worried about the matchup with Gonzaga if they were to ultimately play them. Uh, Gonzaga's a wonderful team, but Florida State matches up well with them, matches up well with them. Michigan, they don't match up terribly well, and therefore they're going to have to play outstanding basketball to beat them. So mark it down, folks, approximately 614, March 24th, in the middle of Front Row Knowles. KJ guarantees a championship if Florida State beats Michigan. Uh, so that was Keith, if it doesn't happen. If it does happen, remember, you heard it on Front Row Knowles with Keith Jones and Tom Block. I'll just point that out. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else I had. I lost my train of thought on that. You got me so giddy thinking about that, Keith. I'll just take the win over Michigan for now. And, and then, we'll, oh, here's what I was going to say. I, I don't know. So the mechanics, because of COVID, are markedly different. But Florida State is in Indianapolis all week. So two things. Normally – you wouldn't necessarily be in the town where this, this Sweet 16 game is until two days before, and maybe you have one day to practice at the arena. Now you're down to 16 teams in Indianapolis, and Florida State's there for six days. So I don't know, but they may be able to practice there and Michigan for multiple days. In other words, they may have a chance to get much more familiar with the arena, and I just don't know if that's the way they're setting it up or not. Well, and, and that, that's the physical and, and the technical part. The, the uh, other part of it, Tommy, 
And I, I haven't been able to travel with this team. I've not been around them as a team. But by all accounts, this is a squad that likes being with each other. And so the more time you spend with your brothers and the more time that you're going through the minutia of the day-to-day, remember they're still taking classes, they're online, they're still structured, they're still study hall, but you're doing it with your teammates. And as long as you get along well, and particularly if you get along very well, I'm telling you, that's like a boy's trip. You and I take at our age, you know, when we can get away and forget about spouses and children and work. And it's almost like a vacation. They're there for business, but being quarantined like that in a squad that gets as long as well as this does. I mean, this ain't going to be like the, the Florida Gators before the 96 championship game when they, you know, somebody tried to stub somebody with a butter knife. Uh, they like each other and it reinforces that camaraderie. That's quite the recollection, Keith. I had forgotten about that incident. And I'm by the saying. way, if Laura is listening, I never forget my spouse when I'm on the road. I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> but, but, but children and dog, children and the dog, you do. I know she's not listening, though, Keith, because a few months ago at dinner, we were talking about the show. And I asked the entire family, I said, can any of you even name the official name of my radio show? And, and my wife couldn't. And my son couldn't, who's the sports fan. But my daughter knew what it was, so I'll give you credit, Reagan. She was the only one who got front row Knowles out of the group. (laughs) So I guess i got to work on the home marketing. Anyway, we'll come back. We'll be joined by Keyshawn Helton right after this on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ back with you. We told you we'd talk some Florida State football, and we're pleased to bring to the program Keyshawn Helton, veteran receiver at Florida State in the midst of spring practice and spending a few minutes with us. Hey, Keyshawn, how are you? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Impressions. Uh, give me the, you know, the Cliff's notes so far. How would you summarize spring practice thus far? Excitement. Uh, excitement and competition. Um, every day it's, it's, it's different drills of us, us competing against each other. And at the end of the day, competition brings the best out of everyone. So uh, that that's two that's two words where I could sum up the uh, spring practice so far. Keyshawn, what's it like to finally be healthy? Oh man, best feeling ever! Uh, finally, feel like myself pre-injury uh, and just going out and just just putting my best foot forward. I feel great. Uh, my knee feels great; doesn't bother me anymore. So excited about that. Let's dive a little deeper on that because it was a pretty significant knee injury. So compared to a year ago even when at the time you probably said you were feeling good or you know now a year later I mean can you can you give us the difference on on where it is now even during the season this past year to where you are right now yes sir it's almost like night and day honestly um that during last year in the season uh it was something I felt like uh something I wanted to do and I just couldn't quite do it all the way you know trying to get out of my brakes fast like I normally could and um, trying to pull away from guys, create that separation that I normally could. Uh, you know, I worked 
I put myself in the best position last year uh, to be successful and try to do those things. But like you said, just a year outside of the injury, I really couldn't, you know, do those things. But now I feel fully confident in, you know, doing anything I want to do on the football field and making any cuts. And um, and I've gotten a lot faster. I got my body, got my legs a lot stronger. So I feel fully confident uh, in my knee. For our listeners that might not have done their homework, because I did a little bit, uh, Keyshawn is a great athlete. Now he'll smile and say, no, not really. But uh, long jump, 400 meters in high school, um, four, four or under 40. Uh, when I ran the 40 back in the uh, late seventies, Keyshawn, they gave me a lantern and a lunch and said, be back for breakfast. <laughs> How has that speed? You mentioned the speed. Are you back where you could say you're as quick and as explosive now as you were two years ago? Most definitely. And if, if not, if not more explosive. Excellent. Uh, if, not, if not more, uh, just dedicating dedicating my time to my rehab was one of the biggest things. You know, I used I used to spend and still do spend uh, uh, quite a quite a long time in the in the, in the training room. You know, I could I could remember back um, a couple months ago I was spending five hours in the training room a day, um, just trying to strengthen up my body, trying to trying to get my knee back right, and and, and still now I, I spend a couple hours in the training room a day just just fine tuning things. You know, and, and strengthening the small parts of my body, like my hips and my calves and my hamstrings, you know, things like that. The muscles around my knee to help strengthen, you know, everything up. What was the darkest moment in terms of from the moment the injury happened and then the comeback trail? Oh man, I have to I have to recap to a it had to be a night, probably a week outside of my surgery. Uh, I was laying in bed at night and. Uh, I think my my mom had just left. She stayed for a week after my surgery. And then um, her and my father and my sister left. And I was laying in my bed, and it probably was two or three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep, and I had to go sit in my sit in my tub in, in hot water. Um, and it wasn't high, so don't get worried. But I had to sit in sit in that water, and, and I eventually fell asleep. And that was the only way I was going to be able to fall asleep uh, to stop the pain um, in my knee, you know, and. and from that moment forward, I kind of used that day as motivation because, you know, I had never been that way. You know, um, I cried myself to, cried myself to sleep because I didn't – at the time, it was so much that was unknown. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play football again. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be the same again and things like that. So, you know, that probably was a dark moment in my, in my process. Let me move it to uh, – we'll move off of your injury specifically and get to the, <clears throat> the team. But mm-hmm. I, sort of as a bridge – You've got a new quarterback now that everybody's talked about in terms of Mackenzie Milton, who also had a horrific knee injury. Mm-hmm. Has that commonality? Have you guys discussed what that, you know, the isolation you feel in rehab? Has that been a, a bonding point for you and him? Oh, man, most definitely. It's crazy because our lockers are we're locker buddies. Um, and, the, and the thing about Mackenzie is, you know, his knee injury was more significant than mine. And um, the attitude that he brings and the, the mindset that he brings to everything that he does, you know, he acts like he didn't even get hurt, you know, and just having those conversations with him, with, you know, helps me gain confidence in myself um, just to see his process and things he went through. You know, it's, while going through my process, I, I thought mine was bad, but, you know, it's, it always could be worse. You know, Mackenzie had a you know, more significant injury than I did. So just learning how he dealt with it and learning the things that he's continuing to deal with and how he's getting through them um, just helps my process um, that much easier. Keyshawn, tell us why, because I, I think I have a couple of ideas, but I'd be interested in yours. Mm-hmm. Tell us why we need to be excited about this wide receiver group as you prepare for the 2021 season. What's, what's unique and different about this group? 
the uh, I, I think what, what's what's the, the most unique thing uh, this wide receiver room has right now is, is that's changed is the mindset. You know, the mindset and the guys that Coach Norvell has recruited and came in. Those those two freshmen, Malik McLean and Josh Burrell, are two outstanding, phenomenal guys. Mm-hmm. I can't speak enough about them. Um, and on the field, you got to see what they're, what they're capable of doing. But what what they bring to the room mentally and and their approach to the room and and, and the way they compete and the wide receiver room is full of competition and full of great athletes. And, you know, we're working to put that on the field this year, but the, the most, the, mo- the most important thing I feel like um, this wide receiver room has is the consistency and the leadership and the mindset that, that, that we have now in the receiver room. Everyone's playing for another, everyone's happy for, for each other. You know, there's no, you know, you know, I in anything that we do, we're all, we're a group and you know, we're a team. So that's, that's one of the biggest things that I see that was the difference from previous years. How much further ahead do you feel, well, for you personally, I mean, you were still rehabbing at this time last year, but considering the team, you were adjusting to a new coach and you got three spring practices before COVID shut it down. So now as you're halfway through spring practice this year, obviously you already had a full season with this current coaching staff. Uh, I I guess what I'm getting at, you don't necessarily need a map to figure out where you're going now. You know the way they want you to work. You understand the system. How much further along is it just one year, you know, one year later than than, than Norvell's first spring practice? I mean, significant. I mean, the the growth that the team has had just one year under under this coaching staff has been significant. And, you know, you see guys a lot more comfortable playing inside the system, offense and defensively. You know, speaking on the offense side of football and, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I feel more comfortable playing those multiple positions inside and outside receiver. You know, just learning the concepts conceptually and and, and understanding what Coach Novell is trying to attack um, the defense with, and understanding what you know the coverages and the things that Coach Novell is teaching and Coach Dugan is teaching. And you know, when you're on the field, you're able to you're able to uh, be comfortable. You're able to play faster. You know, you're able to dissect things faster. You're able to see things faster, and you know, react and you know, and play fast. So that's that's one of the biggest things I see with that. All right, now, fess up. We won't tell Coach Norvell what your answer is, but fess up. Wide receiver or returner, which one do you enjoy most? Oh, man, wide receiver. Wide receiver, without a doubt, without a doubt. Right answer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Are, are, are you in the mix as a returner, though? I mean, you were, you were having success as a returner before your injury a couple of years ago. Are you back in the mix or are you just solely at receiver now? I'm back in the mix at a punt return and kick return. I've, as a matter of fact, I've been working both of those um, uh, every other day. I think I work kick punt return one day, and then the next day we practice, I work kick return. So working both of those as of right now. Well, I, I return punts my sophomore year, so anytime you get confused, just call me. I'll tell you what not to do. Just do the exact opposite of I did. <laughs> do the exact opposite of what I did. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Keyshawn, uh, you know, when I when – I, read up on you. I mean, work ethic is, is two words or a phrase that, that I've seen several times. And sure. uh, obviously it applies to the, re- the significant rehab you've had to go through, but to, to where does that work ethic come from, uh, from, you know, is it an in- individual, somebody in your family? Is it uh, yeah. the fact that you've, and you're going to hate that I say this, but that you're five, nine. And so you've had to yeah. overcome a people questioning your size. I mean, to what do yeah. you attribute that work ethic? Um, I think it's I think it's a bit of all that what you just said. Uh, but for the most part, I think at a young age, uh, my father instilled this work ethic in me. And you know, as a smaller guy, you you have to work, you know, that much harder uh, to get on the field uh, if you're competing with a bigger guy. You know what I'm saying? So 
Um, and and as he spoke, as he preached that to me as a, as a kid, it's just grown with me as I got older. Because uh, and and as I worked hard, I seen the results that came from it. You know, and, and it just made me want to work even harder. So, um, and I pride myself on that. You know, I pride myself on any room I walk in. I want to be the hardest worker in the room. You know, regardless of who's in that room, I want to be the hardest worker. You know, I refuse to be outworked. You know, and, and that's how I'm gonna win. At the end of the day, I'm I'm outworking. You know, that's that's what I pride myself in, and that's what I do. You know, I'll stay hours after the workout to to if I have to to outwork my competition. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, so um, that's just something that's in me. You know, uh, it's, it's something that's from the age of four years old, I've had all the way up until now I'm 20 years old. So, you know, I'm blessed. My, my father, you know, kind of, kind of helped me along the way with that. But as I got older, I kind of took it on my own. And, you know, as I started seeing the results and the, and the payoff from it, you know, it made me work, want to work even harder. I see that you've got a seminal legend. That's a part of the family and Derek Brooks. Uh, yes, sir. How how strong is your relationship? How how close? I mean, obviously he's from Pensacola, but I don't know. I mean, if you guys are talking daily, weekly, how often you're seeing him? I mean, what's the relationship there? What's the bond? Very strong, very strong. Uh, Derek Bruce is my mom's brother. Uh, I talk to him uh, uh, almost daily, almost daily, if not daily, weekly for sure. Uh, he's a busy man. He has a lot. He has a lot. Uh, a lot of things to do. But um, you know, my cousins, the Kalen, uh, that strong bond with him. Strong bond with my auntie. Um, just everyone. Uh, he always is there, um, there for me, even through my injury. You know, he texts me every day, make sure I was okay, uh, along with the Kayla too, because he, he's been through a similar injury. Um, but yeah, strong bond with that side, strong bond. Keyshawn, how, how, I guess, nice, pleasant, normal is it to be kind of back to normal? Oh man, I mean, it's it, a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing. And it's, it's a blessing just, the whole 2020, um, you know, if you got 2020, uh, you you should consider it a blessing, you know, because it was so much, so so much tragic, um, just just tragic incidents happening around the world, and so many things that's that's going on around the world, and you know, I consider it a blessing just to just make it out of 2020 healthy and you know, in my right mind. Well, we'll wrap up on this, but who, when you're out at practice and you're looking around. Who, who's catching your eye and you're thinking, man, he, he's bringing it this spring. He's having a great spring, offense or defense. Who, who's catching your eye? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I'll have to say the guy I compete with every day uh, who lines across from me every day. His name is Jarvis Brownlee. Uh, he wears number three. Um, I have to say him because he brings the best out of me every day. And if I'm not at my best, he's definitely going to, you know, make sure that I am, you know. So I'll have to say him just, just lining up against me. He's a great DB. He's physical. Um, he's fast, he's quick, he's twitchy. He reminds me kind of Asante Samuel, uh, who just entered, uh, uh, who's going to the NFL draft this year. Um, very fast and very knowledgeable. He knows what he's doing. He knows, he knows football and just competing with him every day has, has truly, you know, been the best out of me and, and, and took me to new levels. And I've did things that I, you know, I, I've never did, um, to try to create separation against him and try to get open and, you know, just continue to grow and continue to, compete every day because you know I tell him every day you know um if I'm not on, my, on on top of my stuff you tell me you know if I'm not on top of my game you tell me you let me know you know and, and we try we kind of hold each other accountable that way but you know just I, I'll say Josh Brown that, that's one of the guys that when I look around I mean I think he's going to be special for FSU football it's a good answer Keyshawn uh congratulations on coming back from uh an injury that you know there's there's lots of folks that might have waved the white flag and said I'm going to walk away from this but uh 
continued success to you uh, and, and the team. We look forward to seeing what 2021 brings. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all so much. Y'all have a blessed one. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Keyshawn you, Keyshawn. from the Florida State football team, and we'll have more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. Let me reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Hey, Bob. Guys, how are you doing? We're doing good. Keyshawn Helton's got us fired up for the season. He seems energetic, enthusiastic. Obviously, uh, you know him. Uh, what, what do you think? You know, I, I, why don't we just start with the receivers? It's been the most talked about position on the on the offense, and we're only a few practices in. What, what, what do you think from what you're hearing, what you've been able to see, where where that position group is headed? Yeah, I, I like Keyshawn a lot. I think he's he's the kind of guy that you want as a mentor for the younger receivers in that room. Those uh, those 2020 prospects who have been on campus now a year, the 2021 kids like Malik McLean and Joshua Burrell. There's a lot to like about those younger kids, but you have to have leaders like uh, like a Keyshawn Helton. I think Ontario Wilson has, has shown, you know, I, I wondered how he was going to make that transition from defensive back to receiver. And, and he looks to be a really good piece of the puzzle. Um, a guy who's not going to be a number one receiver, but he's definitely going to be a piece as a, as a two or a three. I, I think it's a, it's a group that definitely has to improve. We have to see guys break out this spring. Um, the caution that I always have is I, I see too many drops um, from this group, and it, it's just a little frustrating. I think part of that is you just have to gain comfort in the offense, gain comfort with the quarterbacks, but – but the drops, I think, are the, the frustration because the end result. You can't have that kind of negative. One of the other things that's quietly been talked about based on people I've uh, visited with is there's got to be a marketed improvement in blocking on the perimeter. And uh, I know that's an emphasis with Coach Dugan's in, in this spring, no question. Yeah, if you can pull a little bit of the Ron Dugan's DNA of, of what he was like in, in the late 90s as a blocker, and put that into these younger kids. Um, that's that's what you need. You need a guy who's who's just fierce out there and knows that he's not getting the ball on that play as a receiver, but knows that his teammate is. And and if your perimeter blocking is really really good, if you can get some yards after um, on the run, yards after catch, whatnot, you've got to have that downfield blocking. That's what's going to spur on these big plays. And, and puts points on the board. Um, it, it, honestly, it builds the camaraderie and the culture that you're looking for that, hey, my guy's downfield doing everything to help me get my yards and, and get our team points. And, and that's that's what we really need to see too, is just to bring back those big plays. Since last we talked, Florida State lost a quarterback, I guess, at least for spring. Is there any significant reason to be concerned uh, about Chuba? I think with Chuba, it's 
it's in part the injury, but also, you know, he had an infection um, in that area in the incision. So it's just taken longer to recover. And I think a lot of us felt like, well, yeah, he should be good to go in the spring. And, and this was going to be a spring of, of growth for him to, to be hands-on in the offense. Long-term, I don't think there's any real concern there. Um, short-term, he's just going to have to keep doing what he's doing and, and studying the playbook and learning and watching the offense on the field. Um, it, it is a great opportunity for three quarterbacks that they can focus you know, those reps, first team, second team, third team, whatnot. And, and a guy like a Tate Rodemaker gets extra reps, honestly, out of that um, this spring. So it's, it's unfortunate, I think, for Chuba, but long-term, I don't think the impact is, is really as significant. And guys, am I crazy or does it appear that uh, kind of an unwritten rule in football is if you're not talking about the offensive line, that's probably a good thing because you're normally talking about the offensive line being bad, but there hasn't been a lot of discussion about the OL this spring. Am I reading too much into that? I think we're finally at a place where it doesn't keep us up at nights and and it's not the biggest worry on the team. You know, if you're, if you're kind of sitting down and writing it, what are your biggest concerns? Offensive line from a, from a run blocking standpoint is not there from a pass protection standpoint. I think it's still up there. Um, you know, what we're seeing now are, are some question marks. You know, you don't have a veteran like Devontae Love Taylor out there because of his injury. Um, Thomas Schrader, we don't know his prognosis. He, he suffered a, what looked like a, a pretty significant knee injury last week in the practice when we were there. So you still have to find, I think the coaching staff is still looking for those, those core guys, not just the starting five, but those, eight or more guys. Um, and we're looking at beyond the starting five, who are the guards who can play either side, who can shift to tackle, who are your backup centers. You're still looking for that group that you feel very confident in putting them in just about any situation because injuries are going to happen up front. But I feel like one year ago, I didn't feel great about the offensive line, even though I liked Alex Atkins. And I, I think I saw the, what he was going to do. But a year later, after going through the season and kind of seeing how he coaches on the field a little bit this spring, I feel much, much better about the group moving forward. Are you surprised that Jordan Travis has held his own thus far? Kid's just a competitor. Let's, let's be honest. Um, does it grow in, in that Travis family, at part of the tree? I think we saw Devin Travis was just one of the most competitive dudes out there on the baseball diamond and, and Jordan is kind of, kind of very much from that same, uh, same mindset. I think Jordan loves Florida state loves being a quarterback and knows that he's got a real shot at something. I think we all feel in the end, Mackenzie Milton is going to be the quarterback, but I do think there's an opportunity for Jordan to, does he start? Does he play significant in, in various roles um, do you use him again in the shotgun lined up alongside Milton? Is he potentially a receiver? Is, is he more of a runner? What I've seen of Jordan Travis is when he throws on the run, he is incredibly accurate. It, it's, it's like he's kind of taken his game to another level. I think in that regard, the competition has maybe been a good thing 
for him. He's, he's learning from McKenzie. He's learning from his coaches. It's really his second year in the offense too. You can't discount that, you know, Jordan was, was kind of just thrown into it without a, without a real spring last year. So I, I've been really pleased with, with what I've seen from him. I don't know about the rest of us, but Coach Norvell has been very excited about a segment group switching gears a little bit. Uh, he, he likes what he's seeing out of his defensive line. Yeah, the, the defensive front, I think specifically the ends, but also on, on the interior. I mean, Jermaine Johnson appears as advertised, a guy with, uh, with a lot of playing time, starting experience in the SEC, and, and he's, he's bringing it out there off the edge. Um, nobody's saying he's the second coming of, of um, you know, Peter Bulware or, or even a more recent guy like a Brian Burns. Although I think from a body type standpoint, he's been compared a little bit to a Bulware. Um, I think he just has to impact and affect the quarterback in some method. Maybe it's not a sack, but maybe it's just pressuring the quarterback, forcing a, a throw a little bit earlier, forcing a bad angle. Um, just, just do something, you know, positive because Florida State has just not generated enough of a pass rush. It, it's just been, it affects the whole piece of the puzzle on defense. I, I think, I think there's a lot of optimism, especially at end. And we'll have to see how the tackles develop. A guy like Kier Thomas has been really limited due to injury. So we, we just haven't seen how, how he fits in yet. But, but there's a, a real good feeling about what this defensive line can do. Well, that's a good segue because, ironically, as you talk about, there hasn't been a great pass rush, which we're aware of. We're coming off a pro day where Kando and, and, and J-Rob were out there. And I'm not saying that they they set the world on fire, but they didn't exactly disappoint with some of their measurables. So, I mean, what was your takeaway from their performance and, and pro day in general? You know, Janarius, what, what he does in, in a pro day setting, a lot of scouts are going to fall in love with him. It's it's what he benches. It's it's how he moves. Um, there's a lot of speed there. Same with Kane, a lot of speed there. I think these are guys who are going to get a solid look. I think there's always going to be question marks about, well, why didn't you show it on the field on Saturdays? And, and that's going to have to be something that they're going to have to overcome. Some teams will, will potentially pass on them. But for Janarius, for example, everything from the senior bowl on has been incredibly positive. Um, Jim Nagy, who's a former NFL scout, runs a senior bowl now as their director has been incredibly positive in speaking about Janarius on, on social media has praised him even thinks he could, you know, jump up into say, you know, the top hundred or so picks, he could be a third or fourth round type of guy. And when you look at his film, Janaris's film at Florida state, you would say, well, I'm not seeing it, but clearly something positive is coming about there. And, and the other theory, honestly, with Janarius is now that everything is settled back at home in Panama city, that the Florida State community stepped up for Janarius and, and his mom, and that home is settled. His mind is, is free to really focus on football and to really let his talent kind of unfold on the field. All right, Bob, we've been talking football. Let's, uh, before we let you go, uh, we've got two other programs that are riding high right now, uh, basketball in the Sweet 16. And I've never seen a stat like this, but uh, – Florida State uh, takes a three from Miami, and the, the runs are 34 to two, if I remember correctly. Has that ever happened before? I'm trying to remember a rivalry week or a weekend down at Miami, let alone, you know, a, a midweek win over Florida that was significant, too. 
has Florida State baseball had that good of a regular season week against rivals? And and it's it's something I haven't honestly researched, but but just thinking back through the years, we haven't seen anything quite like that in a regular season setting. It's uh, it's incredibly impressive for a team that we had significant questions about. You know, coming off that pit series when you're swept at home, you really start to think, you know, is this do they need to get a spring training in to just get some, some things worked out or is this the way the team is going to look moving forward? So they've cut down the strikeouts. They didn't have an error at Miami, ton of positives there, you know, and with the, with the sweet 16, this basketball team, I, I think they feel an appreciation for it, but they're not celebrating. I and mean, that's maybe one of the coolest things about it. They're not, they're, they're happy. Let's be honest. They're happy because they've accomplished something significant but they feel like they've still got a ton of, of opportunities ahead of them. Even when you're talking about a number one seed in Michigan ahead, they, they feel like they've, they've got a great shot to take it to them. I feel like the pendulum has swung Bob from, well, they're not playing well and there's no chance they're going to make it out sort of the pessimist view, but now they've won two games and we've turned it around to, well, they might be starting to play better. And now they have some momentum. And so who knows? I mean, they're halfway there, right? Everybody wants to see them at the Final Four. I felt like the second half was encouraging the other night. Now, granted, when it really picked up is when Colorado got in some foul trouble and they went to zone and all of a sudden Scotty Barnes was throwing dimes left and right and the offense just flowed again. That, to me, is when it changed. Yeah, and to your example, Scotty Barnes didn't have a great – offensive night in terms of shooting and producing points, but his vision and, and the passing opened things up. The defense was incredible. I thought MJ Walker taking those charges, um, you know, they don't really go down in the box score, but those were huge. Um, and, and Anthony Polite, you know, what we've talked about consistently with this team is how do you scout them from an opposing standpoint? And you start going down, well, you got Raekwon Gray and, and Balsha and Scotty and MJ. And then you kind of forget about a guy like Anthony Polite and he can just do a little bit of everything to, um, to kind of frustrate another team because, you know, Colorado thought they had a lot of things figured out when they scouted Florida state. And clearly they didn't have every single thing figured out. This is just the beauty of this roster and the versatility that the Seminoles have. I really, really think that Balsha and Ingon are going to play a significant role in that Michigan game. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I think if they, if they hold their own and, and excel, that interior is going to be very, very significant in this ball game. Yeah, I'll, I'll be straight with you. I haven't deeply scouted into the, the matchup and thought about it. But I, I think, again, you've got the versatility to do just about whatever you want. You can play inside. You can play outside. Um, you've just, you've got guys who can do almost anything. I, you know, Balsha getting in foul trouble the other night, you, you started thinking, well, can, can Florida State survive this? Can, can you win without having him on the offensive end and without the rim protector that he offers? And it, it turned out they, they did just fine with it. Um, and Tenor, here's the positive with Tenor long-term. He can come back next year. And the staff can really work with him. Stan Jones can work with him and he's going to be even better. I think we're just seeing a, a little early glimpse of what Tenor can offer because he arrived late on campus. He just, they didn't have as much time to work with him in the off season. We're, we're just, we think, well, he's a senior. He's got a lot of experience having played in Canada, but I just don't think we've seen enough of him yet. And as we do see more, he, he's going to be a big piece of the puzzle, not just in March, 
but next season. Bob, final question, because Keith and I have neglected all these other programs that are sitting at number one right now. Has FSU ever had both programs number one, meaning men's and women's golf, Uh, you know, baseball, softball, men's, women's hoops? Has there been two teams even number one in the country like this? I guess there's probably been two. Probably had baseball and football at times, although their seasons don't overlap. I feel like we've not given Trey Jones and Amy Bond uh, enough credit for where they are right now. You know, it, it's so many programs on the campus, beach volleyball too, uh, men's, men's and women's golf, you know, golf just won a tournament on, on Tuesday up in Atlanta. It, it's just impressive. The all sports excellence that's going on. And we kind of felt like March was going to be fun to see those primary sports that we're paying attention to, but then also the, the golf, the tennis, the track and field, swimming, beach volleyball, softball. So it's, um, it's a good time to be a fan to your question about the number one at the same time, it, it's going to send you know, the folks at sports information through the record books. I don't think it has happened in, in my memory, but I think it's a, it's a really cool thing. And they've, they've definitely promoted it on social media with some really neat graphics about, you know, how many number one teams they have, how many in the top five and the top 10 and then the top 25 overall, it, it really does represent the, the all sports excellence of the program. Bob Frante, he is our Osceola insider. Appreciate it, sir. Take care, guys. Thanks, Bob. Remind our listeners, go to theosceola.com and subscribe. We'll take a break. Come back with more on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. Just a few minutes to go to wrap things up. Uh, Tom and KJ here on Front Row Knowles. Thanks to Bob Ferrante, our Osceola Insider. I do encourage you guys to subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, Bob's been at it for a while. Jerry, Pat, Fish, the whole gang covering Florida well, the State other thing they athletics. Do, the other thing they do is those Thursday evening chats um, where you can just hop on, invite, invite a guest, get the opportunity to ask them questions and hear answers. And, you know, in today's world, the, the Zoom world, the Microsoft team world that we're living in, you know, we, we've got to learn to embrace that a little bit more. And those Thursday uh, uh, happy afternoon, hours. evening, happy hours. Thank you. I was going to say fireside chat. I'm going back to the presidents in the 40s. Uh, but the happy hours are a really, really neat time. So we encourage you to uh, subscribe and to participate. You'll enjoy it. Takeaways from that conversation with Keyshawn? Great guy. Uh, great leader. Obviously, needs to transition that onto the field, but he has been uh, injured, uh, hampered last year, recovering from that injury. His freshman year, he was a pretty steady contributor, uh, but he was a freshman. Um, if he can will, and uh, Ronnie Dugans, the, the wide receivers coach, can will those younger players and motivate them and encourage them and, 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 and quote-unquote coach them up, I think the most improved unit, obviously the offensive line would fall in this category as well, but the most improved unit potentially would be that wide receiver group going into the 2021 campaign. We talked a lot of basketball on the front. I want to 
pick up where Bob left off about baseball. So regarding that sweep and you had the, the mathematical numbers and also the win over Florida, you know, at the time I saw some traffic on social media and I can't remember who it was. Otherwise I'd give proper attribution, but the sentiment or the statement was that's the best week in the history of Florida state baseball. Now, Bob was talking about regular season, but in the moment I thought, well, that's complete hyperbole. There's no way. And then I started thinking back and obviously I was closely affiliated with the Florida state program for a lot of years. And I didn't take the time to pour through media guides and there probably is a stretch that's comparable, but there wasn't one that came to mind when I started going back through it. Not, not wins by that margin. The only thing that came to mind, and it's funny how you always remember the losses more than the wins and this predates me, but there was a series at Clemson in the mid nineties when Clemson beat Florida state, they had three expert you know, pitchers, including, I think it was the, you know, the top pick in the draft and uh, Ken Vining and Billy Koch, I forget all of them, but anyway, they beat Florida state like 13, nothing, 12, one and 11 to two. I'm making up the numbers, but comparable to what FSU just did to Miami. That's the only series that registered as being that lopsided and it went the wrong way. So I'm not going to take the time to pour through the media guy, but it was a heck of a week for me and that baseball team. And, and needed because there were beginning the, the rumblings, which there always is, you know, when you, when you're at Florida State and you're one of the name programs and you're, you know, you're battling right around 500 in baseball or you've lost two of your first six games in football or, you know, you dropped three ACC regular season games in a row in basketball, the rumbling start. And it, it more than anything for me was an absolute uh, affirmation that this club has potential. Are they going to play like that the rest of the season? Absolutely not. You can't maintain that level. But it does show the capability. It does reaffirm that meat in, in the things that he shared with us and the rest of the media early in the season and about how he believed this club could do this and this and this uh, came to fruition, at least for a week, uh, that uh, they have uh, righted, uh, not that the ship was listing too, too far, but they've obviously righted the ship. They know what they can do. Success breeds success. And uh, I'm just excited. I've got a game tonight against UCF that uh, uh, if you're listening to us right now, they're probably about in the third inning, two and a half, three innings in. Uh, switch over and listen to Lulu and uh, what's going on there or, or watch it on the ACC network. I think it's being televised. But this is a club that uh, showed some really good upside, and I hope they'll continue with it. I want to go out and cut you a couple more games this weekend, which uh, the last time I was in attendance was the Pitt series. So if things go south this weekend, don't worry, folks. I'll take one for the team, and I will no longer attend baseball games this year. But I'm pretty optimistic, actually. They'll get back on track, or, or they'll, they'll, they'll continue their winning ways. Well, my, my grandson Hudson played Monday night and had a big victory in baseball, and then his other grandfather showed up on Tuesday, and they got, they got beat. So I told Bob he couldn't come anymore. So if they don't do well this weekend, uh, we're taking your tickets away from you. I understood. Understood. Rightly so, too. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, enjoy watching Florida State in the Sweet 16. Again, it's just what we do around here, and we'll be back next Wednesday. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles. Control.